Welcome to 15 to Life, the podcast that talks about life after life in prison. Come with us on a journey and explore stories from within the prison walls to outside the prison walls. All of these podcasts are dedicated to the victims of crime. Hey, what's up everybody? It's the podcast 15 to Life, the podcast where we talk about life after having a life sentence in prison. I'm your host, Tito Guerrero. Let's get into it. So, uh, my last podcast um, talked about lockdown, right? Um, And if you checked it out, you know, if you haven't, check it out because it's kind of like the preamble, the prequel to this one because this is basically going right into that lockdown so basically quick recap um there was a group of guys in in Solano State Prison that uh uh, actually had this elaborate uh escape plan um wasn't thought very well through they they wouldn't have made it out uh at least very unlikely from the information I, I ended up getting after you know things kind of fully came out but um needless to say they 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 had some stuff in place so they were ready to go but uh as with most things and any any of y'all uh criminals out there listening you know trying to get some insight on what you might be going through if you keep doing what you're doing um let me tell you all something um whether you watch like shows like 48 and stuff where people always tell on people um you know as soon as they get put in that hot seat people are quick to give up information and uh in prison it ain't no different you you know no honor amongst thieves like dudes get told on all the time um at the end of the day much like out here in the free world on the street so to say um the only time people don't get into the big, big trouble is when people don't want to put their name on something. But the cops or the guards in prison, they know. They know what the hell is going on. So this escape thing, like, is as much as all these dudes are hardcore criminals and they're going to the extent to try to break out, you know what I mean? They told at least one person too many, right? Because uh, the cops got word of it. And, and they got them, right? So, needless to say, we're on lockdown. Uh, we were on lockdown for, I don't know, I want to say a month, maybe six weeks. Uh, while they did investigations, they did interviews, they, they fixed things that um, they got damaged. Like, you know, these dudes had cut out part, part of the wall around their window. So, they went in and fixed all that stuff up. You know, all kinds of junk, right? The part that I didn't tell in the last podcast was what happened during the lockdown, which was, you know, awesome for me. Uh, good news, good news. Um, so when you're on lockdown, keep in mind, um, it's lockdown kind of like all these shelter in places, but on steroids, right? Because, you know, they tell you you shouldn't move around and stuff right now. And yes, you know, there's 32 states, last last count, that uh, are opening up in some shape, form, or fashion. You know, maybe not bars and clubs and stuff, but definitely opening up, you know, some restrictions. So, in prison, it's kind of like that. And there's lockdowns for 
any number of reasons, right? So a lockdown can just be because it's foggy outside. Um, and that's, uh, everyone knows it's, it's just temporary. But the thing is, is program movement, as they call it, movement stops. Like fog comes in thick. They can't see people. They, they don't let you move around. And if you move around, it's under escort where they literally know one person left this building. That person was escorted to this building. Now there's one more person in this building, you know, very strict movement. Um, so a lot of things don't happen. Like, just like out here, a lot of people didn't go to work. Like the majority of people don't go to work. They just kind of shelter in place uh, in their dorm or in their cell or wherever they're at. Right. And someone like me, uh, I was a, a captain's clerk. So I was deemed an essential worker, just like out here. Guess who else is essential workers? People that cook, <laughs> you know, and there are times, you know, in prison where even the people, the inmates that, that work the kitchen don't go to work. Um, because they don't want any movement. And then the, the, even the COs, the, uh, the correctional officers will be made to cook and all that. And they hate that crap by the way. But anyway, so, so they're kind of like, uh, the government, when they see the economy tank, they want to open up soon, even if it's dangerous, because you could be on lockdown because people are ready to stab each other. And the cops will be like, I don't want to cook food anymore and have to serve all these inmates. Uh, it's 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 better to just let them stab it out so we can get back to normal program crazy right crazy how one society mirrors the other but anyway so we're on lockdown right basically the movement i had as an essential worker was i went to work and then i got to shower every day you know what i mean um nothing extra i didn't get to get on the phone I didn't get to go to yard and, you know, play around and stuff. I, I didn't get visits. Like, all that stuff was shut down for everybody. So, um, I'll never forget. I'm in the cell. Um, my, my cellie was Johnny Boy, uh, or, or John. His name was John. And um, so, we're in the cell. John is a lifer. I'm a lifer, right? I got 15 to life. Uh, Johnny had... 15 of life as well, right? And Johnny had been down a little bit longer than me, but I always looked at him as a kid. You know, when I showed up, he, geez, I don't even remember, but early 20s, um, you know, he he wasn't an old guy or anything, right? Um, definitely, I, I think he's like five or six years younger than me. Anyway, um, so Johnny Boy is my celly. Uh, we both work in the program office, so we're both essential workers, right? Um, so the, the thing that sucked with that is we're both at work together and then we're both back in the cell together. So we're pretty much on lockdown either which way you look at it. Right. So, um, we're in the cell and they come around and, and, uh, when they pass out mail, they will walk around the building and basically call your name and slide your mail in the door. Right now, whenever legal mail comes, They'll, they'll have you, um, you know, give your, your CDC number and all that. So when they call mail, you got to go Guerrero 87, your last two of your CDC number, right? Um, but, you know, legal mail, you, you got to sign off and stuff because, you know, they got to prove that they gave it to you. It's legal and they can get in trouble. So he used to say, he comes by and he's like, Guerrero, legal mail. And I'm like, legal mail? What? And slides me a manila envelope. 
okay, cool, thank you. I go. Johnny's like, what's up? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. So, let me rewind the clock a little bit. Before all this crazy lockdown crap happened, um, I had been going back and forth uh, with my appeal on my murder conviction. So, mind you, when you get convicted, you automatically get put in, <clears throat> excuse me, for an appeal, right? It's like, even if you don't want it, they do it because they got to kind of, you know, cover themselves, making sure that justice was served and it was fair and just and all that bullshit. We know a, a lot of people get convicted when they shouldn't. A lot of people don't get convicted when they should. Um, I do not have a cure. Anyone before you ask, I don't know how to fix it. To be honest, there's always going to be loopholes and, and I don't care what it is, it, you know, whether it's Tom Brady letting the air out of a ball or, or someone finding something in the legalese of, of the matter to get in or out of trouble. So anyway, um, my I, I had felt my appeal was getting just botched because um, I had some stuff I thought was groundbreaking stuff that needed to be known, like evidence that was lost and, and cops that had lied and potholes in the stories that people were giving. And mind you, I never said I didn't shoot somebody. What I said was it was an accident. And, and how did I get second degree murder? In hindsight, I 100% will say this and I'm saying this where it's on record. Like I, I get how I got second degree murder. The way the law is written, you could definitely say that the actions I was doing <clears throat> were just flagrantly, like, stupid, just to put it simply. And, you know, I, I was showing a disregard for human life. It doesn't mean I meant to do it. It just means that I should have been smarter, right? Needless to say, um, they didn't... The, the the lawyers that were assigned to me basically said, we're not going to use any of that stuff you're saying. They didn't give jury instructions for both versions of involuntary manslaughter. And I was like, well, that's crazy. Like, they heard one. What, what's the difference between one and the other? It's basically saying, it, they call it misdemeanor manslaughter or, or you know, um, accidental death, right? Because you can get involuntary manslaughter and literally walk out the door on probation like you don't even have to you know go to jail or anything so um needless to say i'm doing 15 to life you know on a murder that i got convicted of and i felt like these attorneys didn't really put any weight on what i felt were the things that went wrong in trial so they're coming up with our big our big thing is going to be jury instructions and i'm like okay cool i'm never going home it is what it is right then, after they put together the actual argument, um, I get a, a, a letter saying, hey, I'm your attorney, but I'm about to go on sabbatical. I'm going to give it to this other attorney. He's really good. You'll do fine. And I'm like, yeah, thanks for nothing. I'm, I'm home. I'm here at prison. This is where I'll be for the rest of my life. I got it. Thanks. I know you don't care about me. That's really how I felt, y'all. I just need you to know that. Okay, now let's go back to the cell. I just got some legal mail. I had totally forgot because of all this escape crap and and mind you, this was before I ever had cell phones. If you guys has, have listened to the other 
podcast, you'll know I've told stories about me with cell phones and calling people and all that. Well, this was before that, right? So we're talking, this is what? It's four years after. So 2001. Yeah, 2001. It was 2001. So I get this legal mail and I forgot that my, my appeal had gone into oral arguments. So basically they have to submit a brief and then depending on what the judges read in the brief, you can go to oral arguments and in oral arguments, you have to get the majority out of a three judge panel to get your case overturned. Right. Okay. So back to the cell. Um, yeah, I get this legal mail and it's a thick packet in a manila envelope. So I open it up and I'm telling you, no lie. I, even as I'm opening it, I didn't know why I was getting legal mail. I had, that's how much this lockdown had made me forget all about what was going on out in the free world to try to get me my freedom back, right? So I pull out this packet of papers, like it was a stack, right? And there's like a cover letter on it, which is now sitting in front of me. I, You can imagine this. I have the papers pulled out, so I'm still holding a manila envelope. The paper hasn't fully exited the envelope, right? I'm really trying to paint the picture here because I'll never forget this. And I I see all the, like a full page of written out crap. And I'm thinking to myself, damn, they sent me a whole book, you know, great. And it's probably telling me, you know, we, we lost, right? And so Johnny boy is like, what's it say? And I'm like, well, hold on, man. And so I look and in the middle of this, in the middle of this cover page of just legalese and crap, there's a bolded out like two sentences, right? So I read that first because it's in bold. Like I figure it's important. And it says your second degree murder conviction has been overturned. And I can't tell you what the second part said because to this day, and even that day, that's all I saw. And it's like the words got bigger, they got highlighted, and I was like, holy shit. So I put everything back in the manila envelope, and I just kind of, I'm standing right by the little toilet sink (laughs) that you see in pictures and stuff, and I got this little faded mirror in front of me, and I'm like, thinking to myself, holy shit, did I just, did I read that right? And so Johnny boy is up on the top bunk. He's looking at me and he can see like the, you know, that I'm going through and he's like, what does it say? And I'm like, hold on, hold on. I think I read that wrong. He's like, what does it say? I'm like, hold on. So I pull it back out and I read it again and I go, oh shit. My murder conviction got overturned. He's like, what? And so I hand it to him. And he starts slapping me on the arm. He's like, oh, shit, you're going to go home. And I'm like, no, man, oh, oh, fuck, fuck. And uh, Puerto Rican homie that lived, we were in 117 and 3 block. Puerto Rican homie Asmar was in 217, so he's directly above us. So a lot of things you see on shows and stuff, like talking through vents, yes, we do that. So our vents are obviously connected, right? So he hears us all yelling. He's like, hey, what what the hell y'all doing down there? And I'm like, hey, fool, my murder conviction just got over. He's like, what? And like, I I couldn't do anything. Like, I can't tell the guard, let me out. I got to get on the phone. They aren't going to let me. I I can't go on a visit. I can't this, that, and the other thing. So I just started screaming out the door. I'm like, ah! And 
Asmar's banging on his door upstairs. I'm banging on the door downstairs. I'm sure the whole building was like, what the hell is wrong with these idiots? They done lost their minds. Asmar was was also a lifer. Still is. Asmar's still in prison. Uh, Johnny Boy got released. Uh, I'll do a podcast on him, maybe even get him on um, to show how stupid the system is in regards to how it throws you, me, and everyone else who's a taxpaying citizen, throws our money away, and then even if someone does everything that they're being asked to do, throws a little bit more money away and screws them over. Um, And I'm sure this is a very debatable subject about deporting people. Um, I'll just throw this out, out there now and probably do a podcast later, but why would we pay 60 plus K a year to house someone for 22 years just to deport them once they're found eligible to be free. So let that sink in. 60 something thousand plus, because some years it's more if there's medical needs and all that, for 20 plus years. And then once someone finally gets to a point where the board says, you are a change man, you can go home now. And instead of going home to family and friends that are here in the United States, because of, and mind you, this dude was born in the Philippines, but he never lived there. He lived in the United States. His parents were in the military and bounced around. So he got deported. He got deported because of a stupid thing that his mother didn't do back in the day, which would have made him a U.S. citizen. You know, technicalities, but either which way, this dude got deported. So us, taxpaying citizens, you know, paid for him to be in prison all that time and then paid to fly him over with federal marshals to drop him off in the Philippines. Why didn't we just deport him right right when he got convicted? Right? And it would have saved us tons of money and he still wouldn't be allowed to come to the United States. Here's the other thing. He got a loophole and while he was fighting extradition, he was out on the streets working, doing good, reporting to his parole officer, being with his wife and family, and then we deported him. There was no reason showing why he shouldn't be here. And mind you, being a threat to society is no longer a threat when you are deemed by a board that tells you no year after year after year after year, finally that he was okay to come home. Anyway, whole nother story. So back to this. So a few days after, I get a letter from my parents. Back then they had Thursday visits, Friday visits, Saturday and Sunday visits, right? So my mom used to come up every Thursday and my mom and dad would come up on Sundays for the most part, religiously every week, right? So that Thursday, my mom was going to come up to tell me that my conviction got overturned, but that's the day we went on lockdown. Crazy, right? So I get this letter and my mom's like, I'm hoping you, you heard by now, but your conviction got overturned. So crazy, crazy thing, right? And all this happened during a lockdown. And then, you know, weeks later, I finally get, you know, they take us off lockdown. I get on the phone. I talk to my family. And then I find out what's going to happen next, right? So I just, I guess I'm saying that to say, you know, even with all this craziness we got going on right now, and how some restrictions are lifting, some aren't, know that um, good can still come out of a bad situation. 
you know, someone gives birth and, and like, so my, my former assistant at where I was working at before, uh, she just gave birth on May 4th. Jasmine, hey, love you, miss you. Congratulations on the kid. Um, always great. Not to mention it's May 4th. May the 4th be with you. Woohoo, Star Wars baby. Anyway, but you know, she sent me pictures of the baby and, and I'm like, see, even, even with craziness going on, there's still stuff to be happy and, and excited about, right? So know that with with every chunk of bad news, like, you know, you see 2,000 people died in the United States yesterday. But what about the 1,000 kids that were born? You know what I mean? Like, look at, there, there's always positives and negatives, right? And, and, you know, the glass is half full, it's half empty, whatever, you know. Look at what's good. Emphasize on what's good. I'm literally sitting in a parking lot because I had to drive up into another time zone to visit with, with my team. And I figured I'd get here early and knock out a podcast. So, and it's a rainy day. It's gloomy, but I'm looking and I'm, I'm remembering how in prison I would go out and stand and people thought I was crazy. I'd stand out in the rain with just a t-shirt on and because the rain washed all the stink away. Like I, it, it was true. Like I always tell people, uh, my 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 smell senses aren't great. I always have sinus problems, right? Allergies and all that fun stuff. But when it would rain really good, and you go out and just smell the air in prison, it smelled like a different place. And I love that. It was my my little mental emotional getaway. But anyway, so on rainy days like this, now that I'm out. I love it because it brings me to a kind of a serene, meditative state. Can't express it. Hey, driving in the rain. But anyway, my point is look at the good stuff, right? Look at the good things. Um, and know that even when things seem they're worse and everything sucks, something good can come out. And then when that good thing comes out, maybe because of all the other sucky stuff going on, you might not be able to celebrate or, or do what you want to do. But don't forget, something good just happened. So anyway, this is Tito, 15 to Life. Second part of a lockdown story. I'll, I'll tell the, the next part of it sometime soon. Basically, what happened after my conviction got overturned and how that works. And for some of y'all, like Anita, homegirl from high school, I know you're going through some of this situation with family. So, you know, if you're listening, this might walk you through some of the processes you're going to be going through. Um, but once again, y'all in this crazy day and age that we're in and we're not out of it yet, be mindful of others, understand that however you want people to treat you, that'll never happen if you don't treat them that way first. And even if they treat you like shit, put coals on their head, you know, do like the Bible says or whatever you want to say says, you know be good to them. Let them be the assholes. You don't have to be an asshole too. Anyway, this is Tito lockdown part two. Hope y'all safe, healthy, and take care of your families. Talk to you later.